the White House gets into the trenches with supply chains. With the holiday peak season coming, are there any hopes of ending disruptions? And trucking rates continue to rise. What's the outlook for the rest of the year? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the Group Editorial Director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Zebra Technologies. As demand increases, so does the cost to run legacy operations, leaving small and growing warehouses asking, how can I boost warehouse efficiency? The answers in black and white. Automate your operations with digital solutions from Zebra Technologies. Zebra has tools tailored to meet your needs that will inspire inventory visibility, drive prescriptive actions, and fuel data-driven performance to cut down costs. Get the answers at zebra.com slash the answer. That's zebra.com slash the answer. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, it's no secret that our nation's supply chains are a bit of a mess right now. And we have the peak season of the holidays coming up to add to the possible misery. How can companies get ahead of the anticipated delays that we'll have this year? To address that, here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thank you, Dave. And you're exactly right. Uh, the upcoming holiday season could be a complex one. Um, people have heard uh, about the major headline items from labor shortages and um, the, the holiday shopping boom, the, the Delta variant, uh, the rest of it. Um, it, it. It's complicated stuff, but today uh, we have uh, with us to help find some sense in all this, uh, Yatish Desai. Uh, he's principal and advisory in the supply chain and operations division at KPMG US. Uh, Yatish, thank you for being here. Hey, good morning, Ben. Yatish, as we were saying, um, you know, holiday season is busy every year. Uh, but it looks like there are a lot of uh, new variables uh, going on in 2021. Uh, do you have a sense of how different it'll actually be this time around for retailers? Yeah, I think, uh, Ben, uh, what I've uh, continued to see uh, happening is obviously the emergence of e-commerce. Uh, the pandemic is weighing on a lot of people's mind. Uh, we are anticipating good uh, 8 to 10% growth in retail sales. Uh, obviously, people are very... Uh, bullish in terms of uh, their wages, uh, a lot of money floating around. And what we see here is that uh, with the continued um, increase in e-commerce, people are going to shop a lot more earlier. That's going to put a lot of pressure on supply chain organizations of how to deliver the products in a timely manner. And then more importantly, also how they can ensure that the last mile delivery uh, gets to the customers in the right timing. And also related with that are issues that uh, supply chains have to start thinking about in terms of inventory positioning, how they can also start taking a look at mitigating some of the risks. So the whole idea in terms of uh, addressing some of the challenges going forward is uh, being more proactive, being more predictive in terms of not only looking at it through a last mile lens, but also through labor availability shortages and everything that we are seeing in the supply chain, particularly from goods coming from Asia to the U.S. 
Boy, I mean, people are shopping earlier, and if there's a, an eight to ten percent bump in, in retail sales um, that are already pretty healthy, um, it, it looks like people are going to have their hands full. Do you have a, a sense of uh, if if those challenges that we've been discussing will exist across the board, uh, or will we see varying impacts, um, whether it's by region of the country or uh, the type of inventory or uh, e-commerce? I think uh, what we are observing is this is going to be across the board, whether you look at automotive uh, sector in terms of availability of chips, that also has a lot of downstream impact uh, to a lot of the other sectors. When you think about consumer and retail sector, particularly uh, because of the continued increase in demand, uh, there's going to be a lot of issues on hand in terms of how we can manage the shelf and inventory and not have stock out situation. When you think about industrial manufacturing companies, they're also starting to change their business model from not B2B, but also B2B2C. And that is also uh, going to have impact in terms of how do you really fulfill uh, the orders and not only making sure that you have the right inventory at the right locations in the supply chain to continue the fulfillment of uh, the customer service. So it sounds like uh, folks really uh, are gonna have their hands full across the waterfront here. Um, but do you have a sense of how supply chain professionals uh, can get ahead of what some of these uh, holiday-induced disruptions are? For example, I know that you've talked about using modeling exercises, uh, maybe to understand or predict uh, what some weak links might turn out to be. Yeah, so Ben, there are two ways to look at it, right? One is from a tactical perspective and second from the strategic perspective. Let me start with the tactical aspect of it. So when you think about how you can get ahead of the game, uh, we've seen a lot of organizations, uh, when we did the survey with supply chain executives, there are two themes that's emanating. One is around making sure that supply chains continue to be more resilient. And then the second theme is also how they can continue to increase visibility across the supply chain. So with that two themes in mind, a lot of companies are now starting to realize that they need to have capability to actually map the supply chains from an end-to-end -end perspective, understand not only their suppliers, but their tier two, tier three suppliers, all the way to their customers. And that's what's um, uh, coming into more forefront is the capability and ability to have uh, digital twin modeling um, uh, capability, where you can not only map your supply chain from an end-to-end -end perspective, but also gives the opportunity for companies to uh, perform scenario planning and sensitivity analysis, uh, given that uh, the disruptions are going to continue to come into play. Um, so that's one piece. And then also, more importantly, how they can really use, utilize these digital twin modeling exercises to not only understand the root causes, but be uh, predictive in terms of uh, what impact does it have to their service? What impact does it have downstream in terms of uh, ability to not only recover, but also fulfill customer orders? So that's one modeling exercise tactically that uh, companies can quickly get their arms around the supply chain and also helps them increase visibility in terms of the product flows uh, coming through from an end-to-end -end perspective. Uh, the second piece is also around uh, inventory positioning uh, strategies. Uh, we've seen the pendulum swing from uh, just-in-time to what I call just-in-case inventory. And uh, the art of the uh, going forward is how do you really balance that? I'm not suggesting that just-in-time is going to be completely out the window, 
but now you'll have to start thinking about what are my products that are more critical in terms of profitability, the customers I'm serving, the channels that I'm uh, uh, continuing to service through, and managing that balance between what inventory that I can continue to operate at a just-in-time versus just-in-case. Because over the prior to pandemic, everybody was operating with a lean mindset. And given that pandemic has put a lot of uh, weak links, as you mentioned, exposed in the supply chain, the pendulum is swung around. How can I start beefing up my inventory in the right locations in my supply chain? So that's a second modeling exercise that companies are now starting to take a look at, not from an inventory optimization or planning perspective, but just ensuring that they have enough inventory across the supply chain from a just-in-case perspective. And then the third one is also around taking a look at, uh, as I alluded a little bit earlier, what's the segmentation modeling going to look like? Because all customer segments are not created equal. Supply chains are not created equal. So looking in terms of how do I segment my supply chains in terms of my customer channels, my product SKUs, and then ensuring that I'm able to develop my supply chains for that particular segment channel SKU in a different way versus the other segment that I'm trying to service. So for example, if I've got fast moving goods and a profitable customer segment, I'm gonna go above and beyond to ensure that I have inventory in the supply chain versus a customer that's ordering once or twice a year and not very profitable to the organization, there's gonna be a different connotation. Also, from a strategic perspective, organizations are now looking at, given the convoluted global supply chains, how they can make their supply chains more closer to their customers. So what we call micro supply chains is near-shoring, on-shoring, and making sure you're looking at that footprint to bring the segmentation and tying that up with the micro supply chain uh, design uh, analysis and plan. Got it. Yeah, visibility, of course, mapping and modeling. Um, it, it, it sounds like there's a lot to be gained in that. Um, of course, where that rubber hits the road, um, it is is labor uh, in in terms of you know getting the the real work done, and uh, and that's also been a word that's been on many people's lips. Um, it, it sounds like uh, you know doing workforce assessments is also a critical way for uh, retailers to prepare. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the, the very first thing that's weighing on supply chain executives today <clears throat> is the availability of labor and also shifting in the talent pool. As we open up Wall Street Journal and any magazine today, we are seeing that there's continued uh, demand for labor that organizations are not able to hire. But also, more importantly, uh, smarter organizations have realized that it's not just about hiring uh, talent, but also retaining talent, because the hiring cost for talent uh, post-pandemic or in pandemic has gone up three times. And uh, also with the changes in how we operate in terms of the dynamics from working from home, a lot of companies have realized that uh, with the acceleration of digital uh, digitization in their supply chains, uh, the skills and the needs that they need going forward is going to be different. Your traditional distribution warehouse operator needs to also pick up additional skills in terms of looking at data, uh, making some real-time decisions, evaluating the data. Uh, uh, White-collared workers need to have a lot more analytical savviness in terms of building models, running some scenarios, sensitivity analysis that I was talking about, because there's uh, a good cross-section of automation and technology that comes into play. 
And when you think about it from a retailer perspective also, when you walk into a shop today, the associate just not gonna help you from a sales perspective, but that individual also needs to have skills in terms of picking online orders as an example, mm-hmm. helping the customers place online orders on, a, on, on, on their website as an example. So these are changing needs that are coming into play and organizations are starting to think about how can I not only assess my workforce in terms of hiring, but also making sure that they are putting training programs and providing the incentives to build the new skill sets for the future. And more importantly, also, how can I continue to retain that talent by incentivizing them, giving them education, giving them additional opportunities so that they can have uh, a lot more positive work culture rather than looking for other jobs. Got it. Got it. Boy, sounds like there's a, a lot of change in the water and uh, and I imagine a lot of them will stick with us uh, in the industry long after uh, this this uh, particular momentous holiday season has passed. Um, Yatish, I really appreciate your, your taking some time uh, to, to help us understand uh, what, what we're in for this uh, this holiday season coming up. Yeah, thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. Great. Uh, we, we've had with us uh, our guest today was Yatish Desai from KPMG US. Uh, back to you, Dave. Thank you, Yatish and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported on how President Biden got involved this week in supply chain problems in an effort to get those supply chains moving again. Will the president's efforts help? Uh, That's right, Dave. Um, Well, yeah, um, this week the Biden administration announced plans, as you say, to address these uh, the ongoing supply chain delays and disruptions that we've been experiencing. And chief among those plans is expanding operations at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach to a 24-7 schedule. So representatives from the Biden administration met Wednesday with officials from the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, as well as trade unions and private companies to discuss how to make this happen. Uh, and port officials actually reported on a time frame and details for moving forward um, on this uh, yesterday. So there are a lot of questions about how this will play out, especially given the labor crunch we're experiencing and other broader supply chain congestion issues that Ben and our guests just talked about. But essentially, the White House representatives said they have commitments from the ILWU, which is the International Longshore and Warehouse Union. And they are saying that they can staff the expanded hours. And that kind of led to, um, or cleared the way, I should say, for larger companies, large private companies, to agree to expand their operations at the ports as well. Um, FedEx, UPS, Target, Walmart, um, and others were among those in the talks. Um, However, despite all this, it's really not clear right now when this new operating schedule is going to happen or really how much of an impact it will have on the backups we're seeing at the West Coast. Well, what are the next steps and how's the industry reacting to this? Yeah, so the thing is, there's no immediate timeline for when this is going to happen. And that's according to Port of LA Director Gene Soroka, who hosted a news conference about this yesterday. Um, And that's because there are still a lot of details to be worked out among the many parties involved at the port. Uh, That includes the ocean carriers, many of whom have ships that are still anchored and waiting for berth um, at the port, I think. Um, As of yesterday, there were still like 62 ships um, anchored off the port of LA and um, another 25 on the way in the next couple of days, according to Soroka. Um, So you have that element as well as the cargo holders who are waiting to get their goods off the ships and into transit, um, truck drivers, equipment operators, everybody. So all of those players need to be in sync in order for this new schedule to uh, be enacted. And Soroka says everyone's moving as fast as possible to make it happen. 
but again, they've given no time frame for when uh, when these new operations will begin, or even if there's a particular terminal that may be in line to be up and running on this new schedule soon. So the next steps are to continue to work with all the stakeholders and, and coordinate everything. In terms of industry reaction, um, immediately some trade groups responded and you know really applauded the efforts, but they also noted that there are a whole host of other issues causing the supply chain delays we've been experiencing, uh, particularly the labor shortage that's been worsening throughout the pandemic and the tight capacity and high prices in transportation and warehousing markets. Uh, the feeling seems to be that it's you know obviously a great idea to expand operating hours and try to clear the backlog. But then you have the issue of getting the goods um, off the port and into transit, and there are backups and problems there as well. And you know, honestly, many of the people I spoke with this week um, about this week's announcement said it will have little impact on the delays and product shortages we're seeing now and that we're expected to see through the end of the year. One of those people I spoke to was Brian Whitlock. He's an analyst at Gartner, and he pointed to the increased volume through the Port of LA and really the sheer difficulty of processing it all, even with added operations. Uh, and just to explain that a little bit, volume at the port of LA is up about 30% year over year. And the port handled about 11 million containers in its fiscal year. That's what they reported in June. And the Biden administration says that expanding the operations there will allow the port to process about an additional 3,500 containers per week. So even if they were able to make it happen tomorrow, it's really not a big impact. I think it's like a one or 2% increase. Ports across the country are under similar stress, you know, as we've talked about here many times. And the bottom line seems to be that the delays we're seeing and the disruptions, you know, they're going to continue. And, you know, many industry watchers um, that I've talked to and we've all talked to, you know, in recent weeks and months really say they expect these problems to continue well into the new year. Yeah, I've heard that, too. And, and I guess we just need to prepare that the delays and the congestion we're seeing are just part of the new normal, at, at least for a while. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, we've been seeing trucking rates continue to rise, which has compounded the supply chain problems that we've been talking about. And you wrote about that this week. Will shippers see any relief on trucking rates in the fourth quarter? Uh, well, boy, it's not looking good. Um, and as Victoria was saying, um, you know, the, the, it, it's in critical importance um, to work with partners and stakeholders in all this. You can't just solve uh, one link in the supply chain. Um, and as we've been discussing for much of this episode, shippers are increasingly frustrated by backups and delays. Uh, but, you know, the trouble doesn't end there because when shippers finally get their goods loaded on a truck, the cost of moving that freight has been rising higher and higher. Uh, so this week we heard about a new analysis that provides a prediction of pricing levels in the freight industry. It includes less than truckload shipping, full truckload, and parcel. Uh, so it's a new freight index created by the investment bank Cowan and uh, logistics provider AFS Logistics. It applies machine learning and data science to transportation spending numbers to come up with forecasts. So they found that the truckload rate uh, will likely reach a new high in the fourth quarter of this year, with LTL rates expected to grow at an even larger clip. More specifically, they said uh, LTL rates per pound will continue growing in the fourth quarter. Uh, truckload rates per mile will continue growing through the end of the year, and ground parcel rates per package will increase uh, close to 17% during the fourth quarter. Uh, so not a lot of good news in there for shippers. No, certainly not. Did the index give any reasons for why the rates continue to rise? 
Uh, well, it's complicated. Uh, it looks like it's caused by the collision of a number of different trends at once. Um, as we said, freight is not moving at its usual speed uh, due to port congestion and labor tightness and pandemic. Uh, so that puts a lot of stress on the system to begin with. At the same time, we're seeing some changes in the type of freight that's carried. Uh, for example, those LTL carriers are seeing a trend toward lower average weight per shipment, uh, and that's likely caused by a broad shift from brick and mortar to e-commerce. So when people are ordering those items from home, maybe there's just one or two items in a box, um, but it's the same number of boxes in the truck, so uh, that's a lighter weight. Uh, but although they're moving less weight in each parcel, uh, the carriers have hiked their rates to cope with other factors, uh, like the labor shortages we were discussing, like capacity constraints. Um, so lo looking at those two factors in particular, uh, unemployment rates are, are low, pretty low, uh, but there are also a lot of workers who stayed home during COVID shutdowns and they're still sitting on the sidelines. Looking more deeply at the capacity issue, it just takes time to build new chassis, containers, and uh, the trucks or the power units. Uh, but a lot of those processes are backed up too uh, by, by the manufacturers um, for the same reason about those clogged ports. So uh, it, it adds up to a lot of pain points. And Cowan said that's the reason that they created the new index uh, to give clients a new tool to uh, try to more active, accurately predict uh, some of those trends coming up. Yeah, well, that kind of tool will be very helpful for the industry. Thanks, Ben. Glad to. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories and check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights from the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, pleasure to be here. And again, our thanks to Yatish Desai of KPMG for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com and we also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Zebra Technologies. As demand increases, so does the cost to run legacy operations, leaving small and growing warehouses asking, can I boost warehouse efficiency? The answer's in black and white. Automate your operations with digital solutions from Zebra Technologies. Zebra has tools tailored to meet your needs that will inspire inventory visibility, drive prescriptive actions, and fuel data-driven performance to cut down costs. Get the answers at zebra.com slash the answer. That's zebra.com slash the answer. We will be back again with another edition of Logistics Matters next week, so be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week. <music>